So I'm sitting on the tarmac and it's the, the time of the flight in which everyone is told to turn off their devices and put them on airplane mode. Of course, as we know, no one actually does that, right? That's not a, that's not a thing. You don't actually put your, 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 your phone on airplane mode until you're in the air and you can't get a signal anymore. Anyway, I look next to me. I'm seated in a middle seat because my clout had run out apparently. And the gentleman next to me is sending a message. Now, I don't want to turn my head and look down and try to read his message, especially with my terrible vision. So I do that thing where I tuck my chin and just move my eyes over to see what he's reading. And it turns out he's sending sexual messages to a partner of sort. And that's where we start today's Pete the Planner show. Hello, Kristen. Hello, Pete. Hello, Dame. That'll teach you for peeking on somebody else's phone. Which is the point. Like, <clears throat> who's who's the who's the weirdo? Me or this person? For I, I mean, I don't know if I did, should. I tell you what he said. Everybody no. is somebody else's weirdo, Pete. Wow. That's yeah. So insightful. maybe he he was like, "Hey, I'm sitting next to this Midwesterner, and I could tell his eyes were reading over my text messages." as I was complimenting and here's the other thing I thought like this is an incredibly creepy conversation for our financial radio show um he was complimenting a woman to her to her but what I couldn't tell is it was it his lady friend like was it his wife or was it someone that he was just simply flirting with and does that matter I mean, that's just part of the intrigue that will uh, rattle around in your mind forever at this point. <laughs> anyway, hello, everybody. I also had to get tough on a different leg of my flight. Some guy tried to, like, like walk off the plane from three rows behind me and pass everyone who was waiting their turn to sit down, like, sitting down, waiting to get up and go. So I had to stand up. And I was like, hey, we're all waiting. He was like, whoa. And I'm like, shh, 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 shh. Box him enforcer. out. I boxed him out. Yeah. He was throwing bows in the plane. Wow. Other strange travel thing. Now, this is, I, I get, as you might know, I'm quite sensitive to people's uh, decisions when I travel. I'm what you might call uh, Jud judgmental. Judgmental. Okay. So <laughs> here's, the, here's the move. And I've seen this go so many different ways. All right. So I'm same, same flight as the, which the guy's sexting. I'm, I'm seated in the middle seat. A woman is trying to get into the row behind me, directly behind me, but she's got her bag, she's got her 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 roller bag, and then she's got a full cup of coffee, no lid. Okay? Oh. She takes the coffee and sets it on the seat next to me, which isn't her seat. It's just the seat she chooses to put her coffee on as opposed to her seat so she can take off her backpack and put her bag up. And so I'm sitting there next to this cup of coffee, which is which is not only going to spill and, and, hot, and warm up my pants if it were to spill, but it would ruin the seat of which she's not sitting in it. And I thought to myself, and by the way, she didn't spill it, but I thought to myself, that's bold to basically potentially ruin someone else's seat. Am I being oversensitive? Was I just missing my home? Damn, it's a bad move, right? I think it's reckless at best. I, I think the, the move there was for you to pick up the coffee and take a drink Bingo. and thank her for it. Oh, no. say, oh I, no. I didn't realize that was what I thought no. it was for me. And she can get another cup of coffee from uh, oh. the, the flight attendant. I don't know. You were so close and then you missed it. The move was to hold it for her so that no one got coffee spilled on them. No. What are you talking about? Yeah. I, I, you know how I travel. Headphones on, eyes straight down, reading people's you make, other messages. You make yeah. people like me nervous, though. I'm just minding my own business. Just remember that. I know I the know. set of rules that we all have to live by. She didn't spill it. It was fine. So people who have headphones on locked into their own business make you nervous. Well, because I know that if I were her carrying all my stuff, that someone like Pete is judging me and I would have been sweating as I was trying to get into my Here's seat. The, no one else on that plane has a radio show to have an outlet like I do. So I just have to sit and observe. I'll tell you this, and I, this sounds aggressive, but I believe I should win a Nobel Prize for travel. Like I'm, I'm locked in and it's travel season for me. I'm out and I, like, so I am locked in with efficiency. Kristen, what percentage of people that you meet during the day do you feel are, like are judging you? Most of them. Question. <laughs> how about you how, how many people like of course your day what percentage of people do you feel are judging you 
Well, seeing as how most of the people I usually meet during a day are my family, all of them. <laughs> I I have zero sensitivity as to people I encounter in general public are judging me. Zero. Don't care. Never even think about it. So, Kristen, that's a thing for you? That's an age yeah. thing primarily, though, isn't it? I'm an older man. I I'm not, yeah. I think it's an anxiety girly mm. thing. Yeah. I think that's, like, what it stems from. Like, do I ultimately care I mean, maybe a little bit, but like, <laughs> I can't help. I can't help but wonder. <laughs> do I do care? Yes. Let's do a financial show here. <clears throat> All right. So we're going to do Apple is a bank now? Question mark. We're going to do an email from a former podcast guest uh, for this show. And then we're going to do a, a little game I created called, I think there are five good reasons why people are in a good mood right now. And Dame and Kristen are going to say, Cap or slap? I don't know. I do want to say this too real quick. Um, I switched to packing cubes. I, I now pack in packing cubes, and it's changed my life. Really? Yeah. I believe yes. it. Yes, unbelievable. Uh, Mrs. Planner got me on that. Huh. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, in three, two, oh, no, I'm not ready for that. Oh, hello, everyone that's saying hi. Pilot Jeremy, hello. I was looking for you on my flight yesterday. You weren't there. But then again, I don't know if I've seen your face, so I didn't want to stare too deeply into someone's soul to see if we connected. So I'm not sure it was you or not. I'd love to get uh, Pilot Jeremy's uh, real take on when do we have to turn off our cell phones, but I don't know if he can do that. Yeah. He says he's always looking for me, too. Mm. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. In three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. That's right. It's a financial show in which you answer your questions. You're thinking, oh, great. What's the what's the 1-800 number I can call? Ain't that sort of show, folks? You got to use a different technology. You can either fax us or what you can do is you can email us. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. And we'll answer your question. Sometimes we answer our own questions, and by we, I mean Kristen Alanius, Director of Education at Your Money Line, and Damian Dunn, Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line. You two folks met up at a small cafe in northern Indiana this week, got to hang out with each other in person. How was that? It was a great was time. Well said. All right. So, <laughs> Dame, I don't know if you read the news this week, but it turns out that Apple, uh, the iPhone company, the mm -hmm. Apple Watch company, the... Headphones come. I don't know what they do. They're a bank now, but they're not really a bank. They just, they're working with uh, Goldman Sachs mm -hmm. and they're offering as part of Apple Pay and their Apple Card over 4% interest for holding your funds with Apple. Did I, did I, did I report that accurately? Yeah, for the most part, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard, but when all the stuff uh, went down with uh, SVB a few weeks ago, I believe I said, what what is preventing Apple from becoming its own bank? Now, they're they're not there quite yet. They're still partnering with Goldman Sachs, but why in the world would you set up your own infrastructure when you could hire a bank to do it for you? Uh, yeah, so yeah, they, they open savings accounts. Uh, I don't know if it's specifically for people who hold the Apple card or if anybody can apply for it yet. I haven't looked quite that far into it, but it's an interesting use case because one of the benefits of Apple's credit card is they give you cash back like a whole bunch of other credit cards. But what, what they're purporting to do <clears throat> is they'll let you put that cash back directly into the savings account, getting 4% interest. So it's a, an interesting little savings feature where you actually get interest on your money instead of the 10th of a percent at your local bank. I will say you did call that. And when I read the news this week, I was like, wow, I should have uh, listened to Dame. Uh, they are holding somewhere around $50 billion of cash uh, mm -hmm. and over $200 billion of uh, either cash or cash equivalents in terms of investments. So they can probably make good on a lot of these deposits. Kristen, do you think in any way this is a risk for Apple to pay out uh, handsomely on deposits onto the this sort of banking product? I don't think it's a risk for Apple at this point. I mean, maybe things get a little concerning before they get great for them. But I think, I mean, Dames called it. And then when he said it, I was nodding like, that's eh, not the worst idea. 
I don't even know if that's exactly how it's functioning. Goldman Sachs has their own high yield savings account called Marcus. And I have a feeling this is just a white labeling of Goldman Sachs's own product for Apple's service. Yeah, I did read that Goldman Sachs had to consider and is considering how much um, they're going to hurt themselves here by people withdrawing from their own products to then make the deposits back through this mm-hmm. you know, feature, this vehicle. Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah. risk, but I... It does say in the fine print provided by Goldman Sachs. So I would assume the other thing too is, is it a bait and switch? Cause like back when there were competitive interest rates in the savings account space, it was like your rates subject to change at any time. And they would give you this like high introductory rate for like a month or two. And then they would drop that rate. We haven't seen that as much because we're in a rising interest rate environment, but is that a possibility here? Well, to, to your point, Dame uh, yesterday, uh, I guess, Betterment, which is an online investment platform, just cranked up their rate again. Now they're paying 4.35%. And it's hard to think that wasn't in a direct response to Apple's news this week. I think it's entirely likely. Betterment's been pretty um, aggressive on raising their rates. There are still a couple companies out there that have higher rates. I think there might even be a couple online where you can find 5%, but I'm sure they're coming with stipulations on amounts of deposits that you have to have to get that rate. I think the the really interesting perspective of this is the local banks, the small town credit unions, the the regional banks they're getting a lot of pressure and they're losing a lot of deposits because people are finally making the jump into other products, whether they're treasuries, whether they're CDs or online bank accounts, they're starting to lose customers because their interest rates aren't keeping up. And there was an article in the wall street journal, I believe at the beginning of this week saying there's potential trouble there and they're, they're being forced to raise their rates potentially before they are ready or comfortable to. Yeah, Chris, and that's interesting, right? Because if the SVB meltdown was because they didn't have the deposits to match the loans, and now what we're hearing is people are losing deposits, then banks, which were once not struggling and then did have the right sort of balance sheet, all of a sudden don't. Uh, Wow, Dame, I, I hadn't really considered that, right, Chris? And so there's this idea that banks declared themselves safe, but this massive massive move by Apple, which so many people have exposure to, it can make those banks not safe. Is that how you're thinking about it? Yeah. Maybe I'm a little biased though, because when I think about my local bank that's paying me like 0.1% or something ridiculous on my savings account, I don't have a savings account there for that reason. I have a savings account there so that I have something local that I can go in and have access to cash immediately, which I can't do with Betterment, by the way. Um, That cash reserve account, you cannot get money immediately. So it wouldn't cause me to move the dollars I've already decided to put in my local bank because that's not the purpose. You buy that, Dave? Most people um, of a a generation older than Pete and I... uh, don't really bother with online savings accounts. Uh, yeah, yeah. Th- there's there's no reason for that. What they do track, though, what they do pay attention to, CDs and treasuries. That means that money's no longer on deposit. If you can get four or five percent in something of a, an equivalent and safe product versus your let's just call it a quarter percent in your savings account, there's a lot of people that are going to move uh, move that money. So whether it's Apple, whether it's a CD, whether it's a treasury, they're going to start losing deposits. Let me offer this idea that the Apple card at one point made credit sort of sexier, right? It made it more approachable. Now what they're asking their users to do is to deposit big sums of money. Do these same people who use the feature of the Apple card because it's a a fun way to use credit, do they have that much money to deposit? I mean, are we even talking about a massive move here? That's what I I mean. I. Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I don't think um, I don't think that's really the the initial push for what's going to happen. I think it's going to be for individuals who use the the Apple Card. Maybe they'll bring some money over. Apple hopes they certainly do uh, to to get them tied into their their uh, burgeoning banking system. But I think this is just an uh, an addition to to the services they provide, and if they can be that much more intertwined into somebody's life, be it financially or otherwise, all good for them. 
Kristen, should a person deposit money with what I'm calling Apple Bank because I don't actually know what it's called? <laughs> I would I would probably say maybe not yet. But then my question back to you is when is this an integrated or attractive enough product that you make the jump? Me, old man mm -hmm. Pedro? Old man Pedro. Oh man. I don't can I what do they have honest? to do? All right, can I be honest for Nothing. a second? Um I have a savings account, our emergency fund at, at a bank, but then I don't want to mess with it. And then I'm not, we, our life is so chaotic financially right now. I'm not stacking a lot of extra savings right now. So I don't have a lot of money to throw at it. If I'm being honest. Think of all the potential more uh, extra data Apple's going to get out of this. Ooh. Oh. I love that Dame is like our tech reporter now. <laughs> That's me. All right, here's what we're going to do after the break. I wrote an article about why I think people are in a good mood financially right now, like this moment in time. And I've got five compelling reasons why I think that's the case. And coming back after the break, our tech reporter and Kristen are going to decide whether I'm full of it or not and whether they're real things. That's next right here on the Pete the Planner show. I'm Pete the Planner. I mean, I don't want to set up another bank account. I mean, that's where I'm at. I'm like, I don't, Chris, my, my money's just saved. Like, I don't, I don't need a huge return I, on it. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but what if they bring in like an attractive checking option as well? And you mm -hmm. could just do all your banking at the Bank of Apple. It's on your phone, Apple Pay, bingo, bingo. You're done with the whole thing. I got to tell you, Pete, I already, I have an Apple card. This was mm -hmm. the easiest bank account I've ever set up. Okay, well, now you're so l let's say a brother has $50,000 set off to the side in an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Is it worth the $2,000 in interest that you will gain to uh, make a move? Not if you've already got another online high yield savings account. I don't see any advantage in doing that whatsoever. Okay. Sorry, Tim Apple. <laughs> Tim Apple. <laughs> um, okay. Let's do the let's do the the five reasons why I think people are in a good mood, which could actually stretch two segments. You never really know. Uh, all right, you guys ready? I suppose I pulled up the calculator app to take time. You know, we're almost to the five hundredth episode of our podcast. We are. Yeah. Are we going to do something special? Have a special guest or something? Maybe, but. That would require me to remember the week before <laughs> that it's the 500th episode. That's fair, yeah. Mrs. Planner makes a guest appearance. Don't tell oh, her. Man, I said that. We did that once, and mm -hmm. oh. I was really nervous. It's on YouTube. You can go back and watch it. I'm really nervous. I don't really get nervous. I was very nervous during that episode. My <laughs> life was colliding with my professional life in a deeper way than I'd ever imagined. And I did not like it. He, uh, he asked uh, for people to submit questions that he could ask Mrs. Planner on the air. And I submitted one. This, I think this was before I worked officially for you yeah. and you read it. <laughs> it was great. It was uh, something about who was the uh, rank in order of the most mature people in your house. Oh, boy. Um um all right let's do this in three two one back on the pete the planner show Kristen dame I, I think people are in a good financial mood right now uh so before i give you the five reasons why which you can agree or disagree with individually and i want you to know on the surface do you think Kristen? i want you to be able to win do you think people are in a good financial mood Right now, the week of April something something, do you believe that's true? I don't believe that that's true. Okay. Damon? Uh, based off of some of the conversations I've had with some acquaintances, I would say yes. There are people out there spending like there's no tomorrow. Okay. All right. So this game, here's how it works. I'm going to give you one uh, individually five reasons why I think people are in a good mood. And what you have to do, Kristen, and what you have to do, Dame, is you have to evaluate each one on its merits and say, okay, I can see that. That, that I think that actually would lead to someone being in a good mood. Or you can say, I don't buy it. Uh, I'm not making a deposit in that, that Apple savings account. I don't know. I was trying to blend the two segments. But you know what I mean? Like, uh, what, what do we call this, Kristen? Like, uh, yes or no? <laughs> like, what, 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 we got to call something. 
<laughs> yeah, we're calling it uh, yes or no. Okay. I don't yes know. Or no. All right. The first one. Are you ready? Okay. The first one. March was a three pay month for people who get paid every other week on a 26 pay system. So therefore, the last two and a half weeks, three weeks have been people realizing they have more money at the end of a month than they typically have. Kristen, do you buy that that would contribute to someone being in a good mood? Yes or no? 100%. You know how I feel about that 24 pay and the 26 pay. So yeah, I agree with that one. I know. Dame, do you agree that that would contribute to someone being in a good mood? I am obligated to say yes, because Kristen just beat me over the head with this thing yesterday, talking about <laughs> 26 versus 24 pay years. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, for fear of my own personal life, I have to say yes, I, I have to. Welcome to our new segment. Next segment is going to be called, Will Kristen Ever Let That Go? Will Kristen Ever Let That Go? No. <laughs> okay, good. All right, so so far, I... I'm right. So far, I'm right. Number two. Number two. Kristen, it is tax refund season. So as we sit here today, every moment, people are having, on average, like what, $2,800 deposited into their checking account, which grows their balance even more because it is tax refund season. Do you think tax refund season puts people in a good mood? Yes or no? I do think that tax refund season puts people in a good mood. However, I think that people who are accustomed to getting refunds just expect them. And I think more people just in our anecdotal experience have been hit with surprise tax bills. And I think that their um, ability or them being disgruntled far outweighs the happiness of the people that are used to getting their tax refunds. So that is the longest no I've ever heard in my life. And I've been told no a lot. I barely could get the prompt. Dame, yes or no? I remember refunds. They were great. (laughs) Dame's got some different problems than we have. But Dame, we're talking about the general population. Are people in a good mood this time of year because of tax refund? Kristen's made a really interesting point because I don't know if it's so much as a good mood or as just a sense of relief because they expected it. They've probably already got that money spent on something else and they're counting on this money to come through. There's a ton of anxiety leading up to filling out those taxes, seeing what that number is to come back and see if that number is going to match up with all the other obligations that you've counted on that that uh, money to to fund. So if people are in a good mood, it's because their expectations were met, I have a feeling. But I, it, we've heard tons of stories about uh, there being some very unfortunate surprises for people this year. Okay, so I did not get affirmation on either of those points. We're moving on to number three. And this one might be specific to the Midwest, but when I mentioned this in South Carolina yesterday and the day before, people nodded their heads. And not because they were falling asleep, but because they agreed. Coming out of the doldrums of the winter or gray skies and a chill in the air bring on seasonal mood disorder. I find that the spring can put people simply in a better mood. uh, And therefore, as the sun shines and the air warms, people are naturally in a better mood and it might improve the outlook of their finances as well. Kristen, do you buy that or do you think it's phony? I buy that. Dame? I'm buying that. The smell of fresh cut grass, the sound of uh, a baseball popping the leather of a glove and a better look on your your finances. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Okay. Your boy's doing pretty well so far, I just got to say. Number four, the March inflation report was great. And inflation is coming down. Wholesale inflation prices came out yesterday looking great. And specifically, grocery prices are improving. And in some cases, pulling back, uh, they are they are actually uh, uh, decreasing. Because the fear with inflation is always that it ratchets up and never ratchets back down. Uh, but in some cases, like the apocalypse, we're seeing the prices ratchet back down. Energy prices are coming down a little bit. But seasonal energy prices because there's less demand because it's warming up or also lowering people's bills. So Kristen, do you buy a little bit of inflation relief 
is one of the reasons people might be in a good financial mood right now. Yes. If they agree that they feel the relief, I think those are two different things. Well, yeah, I, I, you're, you're, you're right about that. But I see, I always think there's a, there's a Delta between what is reality and what people feel. And I feel like sometimes that's an informed feeling, but most times it's an uninformed feeling, but I don't know. I just wanted to seem snooty for a second. Dame, do you buy that inflation subsiding is putting people in a better mood right now? Or do you think that is yet to come? I feel like there's a concept or people understand the concept and they see that inflation is coming down and they under, you know, they, they like that. But I think as you mentioned in the last point, we're moving into spring and summer and there's going to be a lot of other activities going on. And I don't know if they're going to feel necessarily that they've, they've saved much money because they're just going to be redirecting that savings in other places. I, I think there's still going to be a pinch in those areas. Kristen, final point here. And this one's sneaky that some people don't even feel or see, but it's the truth. As of the publication of that column, the S&P 500 was up 8% so far this year, which is quite different than what we dealt with in 2022. And so it might feel as though they're making progress towards their financial goals. 8% often being the target for a year in terms of the rate of return people like to see. Do you buy that the market has people in a reasonably good mood? I, I can buy that. Dame? Again, I think it's just more of a, I, I'm comfortable with what's going on. Uh, I don't know if it's driving somebody's good mood unless you are active or you work in the financial industry or you answer to people because you work with their money. But I, I think it's, I don't know if it's driving people feeling good, but it's definitely not hurting them. So what I've heard is I'm right. <laughs> and and here here's why I wrote about it though, because let's say the media just constantly tells you a recession is coming. And let's say that the debt ceiling debate is about to heat up and people are about to feel much worse about everything in their financial lives. What we can't have people do is to act on this good feeling and go and spend like a sailor on leave, right? That these natural ebbs and flows of how you feel about your finances I think people feel pretty positive right now and want to go out and act on it. But I think there's a danger in doing that because I think the more prudent move would be to take advantage of that opportunity and make tomorrow easier as opposed to spend some of that money today. Dame, do you agree or disagree with that idea? Yeah, I think there's there. Uh, 61% chance there's still a mild recession, according to the Wall Street Journal. I thought those were your own personal calculations. Kristen, does this hold water? I think it holds water, yeah. All right, coming up after the break, an email question from askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I wrote a reasonable column is what is the takeaway here. I'm so impressed with ChatGPT. Oh, stop. (laughs) I want want our listener to know. (laughs) I want our, our listener to know. I have never used ChatGPT to create content. For the masses and i never personally will do that that is my commitment to you chat ptp thank you daniel for that joke uh will never happen you will always get my bad take not a computer's good take i would love just to see the output if you put in like 10 of your articles for it to learn and see see if it come up with any jokes it would just spit out a bunch of adverbs <laughs> <laughs> I think I've talked about this on the air when I read once that like people who use a lot of adverbs are bad writers. I was like, oh, I was like, I love <laughs> adverbs. <laughs> I mean, sure, it took me 25 years to figure out what an adverb was. But after that, <laughs> I use them all the time. <laughs> okay. Caitlin. Oh. <laughs> She's trying to call me out. <laughs> what, what are you buying? What are you yeah, buying? What are you buying, Kristen? I'm trying to get her to go halvesies on this 80s jet ski, like the kind that you have to stand, stand up. up to ride. And she death won't machine. do it. Death machine. Yes. Yeah, those things will kill you. I'm not getting any younger. Did, did you move away from the uh, small British convertible? Uh, that small British convertible, I'm told, is junk. So, Well, most small British convertibles are. You know, I, I, speaking of wanting to spend money, I, if I can have a moment of transparency here, I have 
nearly spent a lot of money twice in the last six weeks on two different items that I've so far successfully talked myself out of buying that I convinced myself I need, but I really don't need. And uh, I want to, I want to highlight what those are right now. Yes. Number one, a new travel backpack. <laughs> uh, because I am going to win a Nobel prize for travel. I, I love efficiency. I love every pocket to have what I want in it. I want to be able to, you know, like I got to move. And there's this travel backpack based out of this uh, company in Seattle called Tom Ben, B-I-H-N. And they're known as like the best travel backpacks in the world. And I have successfully not purchased that pack prior to going to London. And even though I've got a tremendous amount of business travel coming up and I just got awesome this week, I have not made that purchase. I'm very proud of myself. Uh, Dame, good decision. Uh, I have got to be honest. I, I love a good backpack and I've been starting to poke around and see what other bags are out there potentially for another. Uh, so I understand the pressure, uh, and the desire to buy another bag, but, uh, great. Good job. They are pricey. Uh, Kristen, good decision. I mean, you don't seem like a backpack sort of gal. I am not a backpack sort of gal and I'm a do with what you got kind of gal. Do the best you can right. with what you got. So good job. It was weird seeing you in the airport with a stick with a handkerchief tied into a bundle. Uh, to keep your things in too, you know, <laughs> and a pot on her head. Um, the second thing that I've so far successfully avoided, although this oh, one's scary. Sounds like there's cracks already for me. There's, I mean, there's been cracks. I held these in my hand <laughs> just yesterday oh, no. and then like put them oh, back. No. I want some new noise canceling earbuds for travel. So I've got earbuds no. that aren't noise canceling and I got over the ears, which are noise canceling, but my daughter sort of broke them. So I'm like, I could talk myself into it. I've done a lot of research, but I don't want to drop the coin. Dame, where, where, where do you line up on this? Uh, buy them. They're amazing. Oh no. Sorry. Kristen? No. <laughs> I, Wait, how's the I person using... trying to talk someone into buying a stand-up jet ski, the voice of reason all of a sudden? <laughs> It's like $700. It's junk. Sounds reliable to me. Yeah, good, good decision. Yeah. She, she's the director, so of, director no, of miseducation no, no, no. here at your money line. Her boyfriend is so mechanically inclined. He could get her, he could get it running. It would be fine. Um, I am using a pair of uh, these yeah. deals that yeah. went through the washing machine like three years ago, and the left headphone has not worked since. So I cannot support that decision. What's that got to do with him? Yeah, what's I, that to do with uh, Nobel Prize I, winning travel, <laughs> Peter Don? So he goes deaf on an airplane because he's only got one noise canceling. I, that doesn't make any sense. He's got to have both Needs those ears protected. All right, let's start. So anyway, I, like I said earlier, no, I don't want people to. Uh, but but this is very real. I this is why the show is like I'm in a cash flow crunch. Like I am just in a cash flow crunch. <laughs> Because of kids stuff and just like the time of the year. So I, I don't actually have any extra money to spend on these things. So I think more than anything, despite the fact that I want that, I'm just like, I can't. I just, I don't have the money and I'm not going into debt. Right. So it's like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I, Mrs. Planner knows about the backpack and she knows that my daughter broke my headphones, but she doesn't know that I'm on the hunt. Oh, those would be really easy to hide from her too. Oh, I don't hide things. <laughs> Jeez, Dame. Do we need to get Mrs. Advice on here to see what all the sort of things that you've hid from her? You know about no, the bison? No, no, she wouldn't her. know. She wouldn't know because I hide them. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, honey. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. Let's do a thing. Uh, I'm going to read it. Uh, got it. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. We got an email. Uh, hey, Kristen and company. Okay, no, we aren't buying a baby, but my wife and I are beginning the adoption process. You know, when I read that sentence for the first time, I was like, man, that that's a little on the nose, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm not super sensitive person. I, it's funny. It's kind of funny. It's not funny. The agency says to expect around a $25,000 cost and between the tax credit and my wife's employer's assistance, we believe the whole cost will eventually be covered. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. It does look like we should qualify for the full tax credit, but both this credit and the work assistance wouldn't be paid out until the following year. Okay. Okay. With rates as they are, would we be crazy to take a halak 
a HELOC, to cover the out-of-pocket costs until they reimbursed. We owe 200000 American dollars on our home that is worth conservatively $300,000. So they have, I'll do the math, $150,000 of equity. I'm thinking in the worst case scenario, we would spend around $2,000 on interest. Thank you all sincerely for the wonderful infotainment. Guessing Pete hates that term every week. There's infotainment, there's edutainment, there's money and funny. There's a lot of ways. All the best, Pepe, from episode 213 of the podcast. Dame, so we're on episode 500 here soon. This was 213. P.S. If you're wondering why we wouldn't tap our emergency fund, it's been drawn down to 5K after an emergency trip home from Europe with my wife's father's unexpectedly passing in a hospital stay for our dog in the past two weeks. I know, rough times. Um, there was no pun intended rough. there. Yeah. Uh, but thought that would add a little insight to the HELOC idea. P.P.S. That's post postscript. As a follow-up question, what planning needs to be done for a new baby? <laughs> Pick a liquor and stick with it. That was what I was told. Uh, I often hear on the show discussions about daycare and college planning, but what other things should new parents be looking at? The scary figures from online calculators are mostly tied to housing and transportation costs, which wouldn't change for us. I agree. Those online, it costs $9 million to raise a baby. I hate those calculators online. They don't make sense. Does a baby eat twice as much as me? Have a gambling problem? What are we missing planning for a child with a family? Sincerely, somebody. Pepe from episode 213. Kristen, what jumps out to you? I like the end where they're asking what other things they should consider. And full disclosure, Damon, I did discuss this a little bit. And for me, I think it's potentially healthcare costs. Because if you take two maybe healthy adults and then depending on their road to choosing adoption, they may or may not be familiar with how expensive medical can quickly become when you have someone in your home who more regularly goes to the doctor. But aren't those expenses uh, wellness visits in most cases? Most doctor visits for kids are covered by the health plan with no additional expenses. Um, well, I don't have any children, so I cannot speak to some of the logistics. <laughs> However, my I wife do, has children. I, it just. <laughs> I think it just depends. It could be something. It could be something to look out for if you have a high deductible healthcare plan and you could potentially have this cost that you're not accustomed to. Dame, start with that question before we get to the rest of the stuff. Uh, with Kristen's answer or with? No, I mean, what, what additional expenses uh, should people know about before they become parents? Um. <laughs> Mine's not so much as an expense as rather a potential income issue. Right now, we know both Pepe and Mrs. Pepe work, but what if it turns out that one of them doesn't want to? Do we have, we've only got a $5,000 emergency fund at this point. How much time could they stand uh, or how long would it take for them to build up some kind of buffer to give flexibility for one of them to stay home? So go for it and make that adoption. It's a beautiful thing. All in favor of it. But understand that it's going to be even more challenging to build that emergency fund back. You're talking about only one breadwinner. Are we, are we making a call back to last week's episode? I I, as far as I know, we didn't get a lot of negative response from last week's episode. Good thing. No one listens. Hmm. Um, all right, Dame, I, I, I'm, I kind of agree with you there. If you've got, if you're battling back on the emergency fund, the, the main issue becomes, what does an income, one income household look like? I think you always have to entertain that, whether that's your plan or not. I think you have to entertain that your feelings and thoughts around rearing a child will change once that child's here. I mean, you don't, you don't have any idea how you're going to feel. Uh, and then mechanically, when the child is there, it could change completely. So I, I think that's very astute. I would say on the day-to-day, I think you're going to find you're going to be eating more carryout. I mean, very, very plain and simple. Like you will have more convenience meals and fewer pleasure meals. Um, and if we're really going on the nose here, I would also say that depending on your lifestyle, you might find yourself spending more on alcoholic beverages. And I know that sounds crazy. I just anecdotally know from from looking at people's financial lives those first few years when your entertainment might be just splitting a bottle of wine and watching Netflix and uh, 
that can get expensive. It actually, it changes your habits. So as far as what to consider there, that's where I would land. Now, Kristen, as to using the HELOC to pre-fund an adoption, where do you line up on that? The line of credit makes me a little nervous because I think that they're in a position where not only is the adoption cost obviously very front loaded, it's this big expense they have to pay at once, but I'm also in the season in my personal life of all my friends are getting married and having kids and the upfront cost associated with bringing a child into your home is also very expensive. Preparing your home to have a child in it is very expensive. So having access to something that doesn't have or maybe has a higher limit than what you actually need when you're in an expensive phase of life behaviorally does make me a little nervous dame i always like the i mean if in the nine months of which you know a child might be coming (laughs) you can prepare yourself financially by creating some 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 pillars to your financial life you can say okay we're going to save more in this nine months or we're going to fund this for the next nine months in preparation with how your lifestyle might change, right? If you think your expenses are going to be $300 more a month, once you have a child, then take $300 a month now during those nine months and do something progressive with it so that you prepare yourself. But with this adoption, it's a little bit different. I mean, do you support the idea of using the HELOC to pre-fund the adoption? I I was going to go exactly where uh, Kristen went was there's a big opportunity for spending creep on this because you may just want to get everything taken care of in one fell swoop instead of piecemealing it going forward, whether it's putting a nursery together or whatever other accommodations you need to make for uh, the impending bundle of joy that you'll be bringing into your house. But yeah, I I think that's that's a big issue uh, that that needs to be taken care of or at least addressed and make sure that you're going to cap it to where where it needs to be if you go the route of the HELOC. Outside of that, I'm not sure how you're going to cover that float uh, in the meantime because you've already wiped out your emergency fund unless you've got some uh, savings set aside in a, a non-qualified account potentially that you could draw from, but your, your options are going to be pretty limited in this case. I think that's the most practical idea here is that even the interest payments on the HELOC are going to put you in a cash flow crunch, which, you know, make it tough for you to fund the emergency fund the way it needs funded, right? Like, mm-hmm. I wish there was one more positive element in these people's favor here, right? The, the, it's just like, okay, I see you working. We've, mm-hmm. we've talked about some disadvantages, and short of life, life is precious. Go and like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm struggling to see the advantages of making this decision beyond that. It's a tough situation. Everybody's in favor of adoption. And, uh, but this is a, they're in a really tricky financial situation right now. You know what? It's interesting, right? Because in waiting, this is much less of a problem, but then they still have the issues of, of increased expenses. But it's that additional $2,000 of pressure in the one year of what ifs and a bad backup plan that that's what makes this scary. I don't think it's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea to do this, but I think it comes with significant risks. So there we go. All right. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and the news right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. All right. That's a tough one. I mean, look, I want people to adopt. I, I think they they could make it work. This is a classic. They could get away with it, but it doesn't make it a good idea. Yeah, and it, it puts their financial stability in jeopardy for a longer period of time if they go through with this and, and tie up some of these expenses, especially if anything unfortunate happens and or, or they make some decisions where somebody cuts back at work or, or whatever the case may be. Um at least based on the information we've been given here. Dave, you've been through this too. Aren't we also talking about, um, aren't we also talking about one of the most stressful times of a person's life in which they're going to increase the stress on purpose? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I guess the other thing that we didn't consider adoptions don't always happen right away. I mean, there could be a significant amount of time between starting the process and actually finding a match that, that you get paired up with. So 
maybe maybe this is a, a great exercise to think through and have a plan uh, when when that comes to fruition. I mean, what if uh, what if this happens like in December and then they turn around and get the get the credits and everything you know, a couple months later? Then it becomes almost a big nothing burger for that. So I, there's a few things going on here. Kristen, I had a client once that did all the research, got prepared with their employer to do the adoption, began the process after years of um, having challenges around becoming pregnant and saved up, saved up, was ready to go, was ready to deploy the $40,000. And then they found out they were pregnant. And so what ended up happening is all this preparation to make it feasible to adopt and then their ability to conceive and, and then have a child. Uh, it was like this launching pad of financial success for them. And while I know that what the story I just shared is an exception, uh, it was really interesting to be a part of um, because in many ways they were so stressed. I'm not a doctor. They were so stressed for so long about this, but the, the, the second they started putting together the plans and the stress sort of manifested itself into action, they became pregnant and then like their financial life is, I, I still keep in tabs with them. Just beautiful. Now it was, it was it, again, remarkable though. The reason this is interesting is because it's remarkable. Right? The reason it's interesting is because it's unusual, uh, but it was uh, fun to witness. Yeah. I think the best thing that they could do in the radio show question is just like you save super aggressively and you hope that you need the least amount of that credit as possible. If it's a decision that you've already made. And then to Dame's point, if it gets ironed out, like toward the end of a year, you have a, you have a really small window that you have to make those interest payments or presumably you already have the margin built in your budget to make them. So but Dame, who's the creep? The guy sexting on the plane or me reading him sending provocative <laughs> messages to his friend? Like, who's the creep? You. You. How am I? I didn't do anything. Okay, peeping Peter. Oh, no. I, I can't even. Here's the thing. We're in the workplace. I can't even tell you what the guy said. He'll never know. I'm not going to tell you. You know what? Here's the deal. I can tell my friends I don't work with. I can tell them. I'm sure their lives will be forever changed because of the information <laughs> they glean from you reading another man's text messages. I don't know. I was like, maybe I should. What if I texted that to my wife? Like, what would happen? And then I thought, you know, that's a bad idea. I'm not going to do that. You know what you should you just should phrase it. You'll never guess what the guy next to me just sent to some woman and then quoted it. Oh, I know how that'll go. Uh, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> she was like she was like, how disgusting. You should ask to move seats or something like that. I'm like, I, I can't. I'm in comfort plus. I'm not moving. I can't okay. I have to help him compose the reply. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's he's currently taking a picture of me right now. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, let's do the rest of the show in three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money right here on the Pete, the planet show is the Porsche 917 Le Mans slot car track. I don't know. As if a 24 hours of Le Mans inspired lot car track isn't impressive enough. Slot mods goes the extra mile and houses inside an actual race car the intricate raceway measures 13 feet long by six feet wide and features a dual slot track constructed from wood it replicates the famous endurance race featured in the 1971 steve mcqueen film le mans with hand painted details including track services structured period correct signs landscaping and spectators no detail is overlooked from the trackside lighting armco style railings and grandstands down to the pit area with crew stations, covered workshops, and fenced car storage. Even more impressive is its storage unit. Listen to this, y'all. The track sits inside a replica Porsche 917 race car, full size, mm -hmm. donning the same blue and orange golf livery as livery. the livery, not a car guy, as the <laughs> one McQueen drove in the movie. Its clamshell design opens and closes via remote control, to reveal the track inside and looks like an actual race car when not 
in use. Okay. Now, for those on the live stream, you can see it. I mean, it looks like a giant car that's tilted up like a like a clamshell, and inside is this intricate track. It almost is uh, reminiscent of like you go to a kid's high-end kid's furniture store and you see like the race car bed. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's a little bit like that. Now, Kristen, I know that you're you're really bad at this. What? <laughs> What do you yeah. think this thing costs? It's an actual race car. Well, it's a replica. So it's a shell. So that like the, the <sighs> what do we call it? It's, the chassis isn't real, Correct. right? But the what's the top of a car called, Dame? We'll just go with shell. Shell it looks-ish real. And it's painted to look real. I have no idea. Because I was going to say millions, but it's a replica. I have no idea. Is it? Is it a million? Okay. Well, I mean, we'll answer that question shortly. Settle down. Um, Dame, this is something that you both want, something that appeals to you. <laughs> you you're a two-income household with tax problems. Um, <laughs> you could probably afford What do you think this thing costs? Uh, that slot car, slot car track is gorgeous. I, I don't want to guess how many hours somebody has into that. It, for those of you that aren't familiar, if you've seen model railroad uh things that have been set up where they have like little towns and villages set up and the immense detail that goes into it. That's the vibe that you get with this slot car track. It's unreal. Um, and the, the nine seventeen is gorgeous too. golf livery. You can't miss that. Um, this is going to be uh, $150,000. The answer is $205,000, $205,000 proving once again, Kristen's terrible at this, and Dame is a car guy. Dame, what's in the news this week? Well, I'm going to turn it back, and we're going to do a question of the week. Yes. You and Kristen get to chime in on. Pete, there was a a, a news story earlier this week about some uh, ticket prices and when the best time to buy tickets to your favorite events is oh, and they, right. they looked at like when they debut and then when they hit the the open market and the resellers and then what happens is the show gets closer and closer and closer turns out the best time to buy it is right before the show or the event happens that apparently the best time to get your best price for a ticket is right before but that got me thinking if you could save 50 percent of the price of a ticket but you only got to watch 50% of the event, would you do it? Kristen, if you could get a Taylor Swift ticket for 50%, but you could only watch half (laughs) of the three and a half hour show, would you do it? For Taylor Swift, I would, yeah. Uh, So I'm thinking like an English English Premier League game, which I just got to spend a lot of money on those tickets when I was in London. Um, No way. No way, because I mean, for, for 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 an event that I would want to go to, which is something like that, you got to you got to experience the whole thing. I would never go to a concert because I don't like having that sort of fun. You know? What if we threw in free parking? Huh? <laughs> uh, I really well, I think the bigger issue for me is the if you come late, that means their parking spots are all gone, and you're still gonna have to deal with the traffic after the fact. So that that's where I sort of get locked down on this whole thing. It's not good. I feel like the difference in our answers is explained by the fact that he got to go to the event he wanted to go to and I missed out on the Eras tour. So I'm like, I would settle for half at this point, but you got to go. That's fair. Couldn't you just watch it online? What? <laughs> what? That's, that's I don't what know. I'm, I'm not a con- <clears throat> No one knows. I love uh, concerts. Dane, what else is in the news? All right. Uh, some of the nation's money management giants are tackling the growing concern that more Americans may begin to outlive their retirement savings. Starting in the fall, Fidelity will plan to let participants convert some of their retirement savings into an immediate income annuity to provide pension-like payments throughout retirement. Fidelity Investments is the nation's largest provider of 401k plans, and the financial services firm handles more than 35 million retirement accounts in total. BlackRock and State Street Global Advisors, two of the largest asset managers, also announced target date funds with retirement income annuity options. Demand for annuities has been rising amid concerns about the U.S. economy and the possibility of a recession. Annuity sales hit an all-time high last year, according to LIMRA, an insurance industry trade group. 
and early forecasts show another uh, record-breaking first quarter in 2023. Pete, let's look at this from two perspectives. How does this impact the average soon-to-be retiree? And two, does this uh, move make financial advisors jump up and down with joy, give them indigestion, or is it a big meh? I think it gives financial... I'm going to start backwards. I think financial advisors, for a large part, will have indigestion here. And I think I think this is, uh, to some degree, good financial planning. Uh, what you're doing is you're transferring risk out of your ability to create income off of your assets to a large company and 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 you know you're buying insurance if you will that 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 will take place i think i think an income stream off of an annuity makes a lot of sense as part of a core retirement portfolio not for everyone i i think people get stuck on the word annuity and i also think financial advisors are really going to hate this uh kristen what do you think i don't personally have too much of an opinion my only thing is that you the saver retiree pre-retiree this decision cannot be made exclusively from a position of fear and i feel like that sometimes can be how it's marketed so if you do your research and decide ultimately that this is the best decision for you absolutely 100% but you can't choose transfer of risk exclusively because you're afraid of the market in my opinion yeah i damn i think this is for some degree it's for people that don't value and that sounds negative but it's not meant to be cuz i don't know if i necessarily value it generational wealth right these are these are people that are just like i got a set amount of assets that i'm going to have to make do with to deal with my needs and my lifetime I would do that. I think more people are in that position than people trying to create generational wealth. I think in an immediate annuity, when you're trying to create generational wealth, doesn't make a lot of sense. I will note that it does say that it's they'll only allow some of the funds to go to an annuity. So somebody can't, uh, you know, just take lock, stock, and barrel from 401k into an annuity and, and go on from there. So I, I think it's a really interesting move that will probably benefit more people than hurt uh, in, in the long run. But I, if I'm a planner, I'm looking at that going, wow, that makes a potentially uh, tough argument for me to say I'm doing the best uh, fiduciary responsibility I can for my clients if I know the best option is right there inside of the 401k forum. I could talk about this for the entire show. I mean, when pensions went away, then it was the company that was taking on the risk of your retirement. But this is another way to share some of that risk. I don't know. I think people get in their heads, there's certain names of certain products and they just want to demonize them or, or glorify them. And in this case, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Uh, fine, before we go, I lost my blue check this week on Twitter because that those all went oh. away. I don't really care because I don't really get on Twitter anymore. But uh, And I'm not paying a dime to Elon Musk. So it's with that I send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is Pete the Planner show. Not a chance. Not a chance. What if you could pay 50% for that blue check. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I okay. So maybe the a good question there, Dame, is like, what dollar amount would you pay in order to keep your blue check mark? Should it just be? Well, I never had one, first of all. But I'm wondering if they would have had more success with a one of the uh, pay what you think it's worth approach. Everybody gets it, <laughs> but you know, just give us what you think it's worth. Or maybe based on the number of followers you have and then scale it that way. Because then, Ooh. you know, that could actually be a more economic way to do it. I would not pay a, a red cent. I, I, I'm not paying. <laughs> I'm not going to contribute to his chaos. I'll make sure I go uh, on Twitter and set up my parody account here very soon. <laughs> there was a time which there were some parody, Peter Planner parody accounts. Uh, really? Think, yeah. <laughs> you don't know this? No. No. Oh, man. Uh, I, I think they were just friends of mine messing with me. One of them got pretty vicious, though. Uh, I think I got it shut down. I bet I know who that was. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I don't think it was a friend. I think it was oh. uh, a, a, someone who didn't like me, which okay. I don't. At, at this point in my life, I don't really care anymore. But Kristen, what would you pay if you had a blue check to keep it? Probably nothing. Dollar so My month? name is. If the only way for me, I would not because my name is so unique. But if I were someone who had a very common name and I wanted to be a voice in a specific space, I might feel differently. But if you look up 
me. <laughs> like there's not a lot of other people that are popping up on Google. Dame, any value to you? <laughs> None. Dame, is that your heater running? What's that noise? Did you hear it this time? Yes. Just now, the first time. That's so weird. I mean, it's been on the entire winter and you've never mentioned it. Mm-mm. I wonder I wonder never if I got something weird all. going on with uh would we call your heater a uh, hot take? Okay. Um, I got to go. Yes, you do. That's all I got. Dame, yes. uh, Kristen, thank you. Everyone else, uh, stay getting money.